Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. there and welcome to a brand new episode of the confused breakfast podcast do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid yes the excitement of walking down the aisles browsing the names and the artwork and finally picking out the movie you're going to take home with you sure it's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to leave your couch but there was something truly special about making that trip picking a movie out by hand and sticking up the blockbuster with pantyhose on your head <laughs> on this podcast we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from that magic era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte, and joining me as always, two dudes who are tighter than Gail and Evel, Sean Pryor and AJ Vance. How the heck are you? Brothers the pomade, baby. Brothers from other mothers, I can tell you that. Like yeah. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover? Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Yo. That's a, that's a cool rap. You like that? Yeah. You ever heard that rap song? Yeah, I think you showed me. Yeah. I showed you that? I think so. Outcast, baby. Yeah. Quemini. No big deal. You guys are good rap rapists. Maybe we're tighter than you two are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you are. Secretly. <laughs> I knew it. Well, boys, on this episode, we will discuss our very first Nicolas Cage film. Oh, my God. A movie yes. that sure does affect you a little differently when you just had your first child three months ago. The second movie written and directed by the Coen brothers and Matthew McConaughey's favorite movie. Oh. We are, of course, talking about 1987's Raising Arizona. And for those looking to find this movie as of the recording of this episode in early September 2022, you must purchase. However, I have a combo DVD that I forgot about, Raising oh. Arizona and Fargo. Oh, nice. Mm. Cool. And it was still uh, cellophane wrapped. Nice. So there I sure shit, I go, <laughs> pulled it open and watched it. I got my DVD out, and I thought I had the Blu-ray. I got my DVD out, popped it in, and it was cropped like crazy. Oh, and I'm like, no. I can't, and it was so grainy, and I, I was like, I cannot do this. So you rented it? And well, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just can't watch movies like that anymore. I won't. I refuse. <sighs> well... In order to properly dissect and review this movie with a modern eye, we must first discuss it with pure nostalgia. AJ, start with you. Tell us the first time you saw this movie and what your nostalgic rating is. I've never seen it! We can move on. <laughs> I knew it! I had a vibe that AJ had never seen this movie. Uh, I have not seen this movie. I really haven't. I, I, God knows I've seen, oh, I've heard Sean talk about it. A million times, <laughs> so I may as well have seen it, but yeah. no, I haven't seen it, It's a natural guys. reaction for you is when Sean's like, AJ, you yeah. need to watch that. You oh, go, oh yeah, I will. Dude, and you then you just don't. And you're like, oh, wow, that sounds super... Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, so anyway, no, happy I'm Gilmore. not going to do that. You know when you recommend me movies, it's like such a treasured thing, and I, I go straight yeah. home and watch them every time. You know, yeah, that's, I know. That's, that's, that's what you do. Yeah, I yeah. think, uh, I, think I, I was going to watch this, and then Con Air was on, so <laughs> yeah. I was like, this will yeah. suffice. So there was. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I want to watch Flubber. It's a big old <laughs> N. 
feel like you like I feel like you like flubber a lot. <laughs> like I'm a flubber guy. <laughs> you do seem like that. No. Uh it's a big old NA from AJ. All right. And here we are. Go for it, Sean. All Sean, right. what about you, man? Uh yeah, when I first saw this, it was it was just in my like uh, devouring of auteur filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino oh, and Scorsese oh, or yeah, Scorsese yeah. or Scarce. So, and then, you know, you when you when you see one Coen Brother movie, you got to see them all because it's they their films are pretty um I would say universally almost always good. Mm. Uh some some little clunkers here and there, but uh I loved it when I first when I first saw it and uh, I'd probably give it an 8. Eight from Sean. Uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I've seen this maybe all the way through. It was always one of those movies where I somebody be like, "You gotta watch it," and I would start it, and then I would just like it'd be three a.m. in college, and yeah. I'd be like, "You gotta watch this," and then I'd fall asleep. Um, so I, I for the most part only remembered bits and pieces of the first half of this movie, and you know it never apparently it never made a big enough impression on me to like want to follow up with it. So mm. I remember thinking it was cool and like if people ask you if you ever seen it, I'm like, oh yeah, great movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watch movies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really like movies. I'm gonna start a podcast. You someday. have a you have a copy of Fight Club in your back pocket. <laughs> well, I, have, I think I have four copies nice. of Fight Club, but nice. yeah, you, you never leave home without without four. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna I, I'm like a five uh, just just in general for nostalgic. So that takes us to a six point five nostalgically. Right. Which is tied with uh, Billy Jean and Speed. Oh, nostalgically, wow! Legend Speed. of Billy Jean. I love. Oh, okay. Oh, because yeah, that was my. Yeah. You guys didn't have a thing exactly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense to me. It really does, man. <laughs> well, boys, 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 our friends at Manscaped are back in our lives just in the nick of time. <laughs> <laughs> no nicks here. So you know, I just had a baby. Beautiful Willa is twelve weeks old now. The excitement and utter chaos of bringing my first child into this world—it gets pretty time-consuming. Mm. Gotta admit, I stopped making time to keep my below-the-belt area fresh and clean. Yeah, but now. Now that uh, some action can maybe start happening again, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Cool, man. It's officially fresh ball fall. Woo! Thanks, man. <laughs> Th- thankfully, Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming, and they're here to make sure your pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and smell fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. Hey, start nice. the new season the right way and join over 6 million men worldwide, including us three, who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code CONFUSED at manscaped.com. I think personally the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is the way to go because it's got everything you need. It's got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that is waterproof and has a 4000K LED spotlight on it. I heard our boy Burt Kreischer talk about how you sit on the toilet and, yeah. and that's how you do it because oh, yeah. then the hair just falls in there but it's yep. dark in there. Genius. So then you just you can see because of the spotlight, right? You but, don't want to do it in the shower because it gets clogged up and I've done yeah. that. But it is waterproof. Well, but, well yeah. The drain. Same. You want to watch for the drain. Nothing happens to this razor, nope. I swear. And, and I'm getting old as shit now, so like the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, uh, it happens, guys. Hair grows in weird places, so you can yeah. use yep. that. Crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a high-quality travel bag. Honestly, the travel bag is it's worth the great. money in itself. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. that is in that huge performance package, or you just go to the site, grab some of these individually, get 20% off and free shipping with code CONFUSED at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping, code CONFUSED at manscaped.com to keep things smooth and fresh as we say sayonara to smooth ball summer and enter fresh ball
fall, fall. Hey. Thanks so much to Manscaped for directly sponsoring this podcast. Go support them. Next, it's time to learn all the pertinent, important details of the movie. Sean, that is your job. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Um, on top of Matthew McConaughey, this is Edgar Wright's favorite film. Mm. Uh, produced by the Coen yeah. Brothers and James Jacks. Written by the Coen Brothers. Cinematography by Barry Sonnenfeld. Music by Carter Burwell. Edited by Michael Miller. Directed by the Coen Brothers. <laughs> Cast, Nick Cage, Holly Hunter, Trey Wilson, John Goodman, William Forsyth, Sam McMurray, Francis McDormand, and Randall Tex Cobb. After their film Blood Simple, the Coen brothers wanted to make a film different from their first feature in tone, pacing, and cast. Making it more upbeat and optimistic, they started work on Raising Arizona right away. The original idea of the script just came from the character of H.I. and his wanting to do good and be a better man within the law, and the rest flowed from there. The film was influenced by the madcap capers of Preston Sturgis, as well as the writing of Flannery O'Connor and William Faulkner. I assume you guys probably haven't seen any Preston Sturgis movies like Lady Eve and... Why would you assume that? I, well, I, I don't know. I'm just just throwing it out. <laughs> just yeah. ballpark, you know. Nope. Just- just move on. He has a lot of he has a lot of like <laughs> like witty dialogue that kind of overlaps like the Coen brothers do. They love his his stuff so much. Um, we, we know you're smarter than us. So it's, I'm not. It. I just it. know a lot more. You guys know where the mental weight room is? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know where the film... I'm a film buff, so you know where the film <laughs> buff weight room is? Where's the local film studio? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the local film studio? <laughs> <laughs> the film was shot in Arizona, believe it or not, and only took 10 weeks to complete. The Coens and Cage had a little bit of a turbulent uh, creative relationship on set, Cage bringing ideas for the for the story and specifically his character, but the Coens turned most of these down due to their particular vision contrasting with Cage's ideas. The Coens would say later that they would rather have an eccentric actor with tons of ideas than an actor who just goes along with whatever. So they liked that he was very into the story and like maybe kind of wanted to inject his own um, oeuvre uh, into the story, but they were like, particularly, this is this kind of story and it's got to stay this way. Mm. Um, auteur filmmaking. Uh, Raising Arizona was released on March 13th, 1987 and would earn $29.2 million upon its final run and more or less make the Coens who they are today. And that is what I got. Well, we know you got at least one friend who loves this movie just as much as we do. So hit the little share icon on your podcast app, directly message the episode to him. Sharing's the best way you can support this podcast or go to confusedbreakfast.com, buy some shirts, check us out, look at our ratings, do all that stuff. Check us out on social media or uh, directly support this podcast at patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. 80 hours worth of bonus audio, voting on upcoming movies, private Discord channel. It's all there. It's all there. Pretty cool. Go check it out. Up next, we got AJ. He did the research for us, and he's got ratings and reviews to share. What you got, man? I got a couple of things, but you know we always start. Even though we're in a new happy little spot, we still go with the tomato Tomato meter. meter. Oh, my God. Gross. 90% certified fresh on the tomato meter Ooh, for raising to, Arizona. That's what I'm talking about. That is number 16 on any movie we've ever done. That is tied with Reservoir Dogs, as, as far as the oh, critics wow. are concerned. Cool. Rezzies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call them, you know. We're, uh, we're, on a, we're on a nickname basis. Okay. Uh, Q. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I call me, them Q. Me and QT. <laughs> I call them Cutie. Uh, <laughs> 
right, fine. Cool, man. I uh, was a great job. 85% audiences do definitely agree, and uh, IMDb is going to give you a 7.3. So that's how you know it's good is because it's not a 7. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know they're doing okay. That's, uh, that is tied with Point Break, Karate Kid, and Big as far as our friends on IMDb uh, user ratings are concerned. Wow. Dang. Washington Post gave this a hundred out of a hundred. All right. Tom Shales. You know, we always go to him when it comes to to the Washington Post. Raising Arizona is a prize package and a bundle of joy. One that puts a fresh, funny face on the American comedy movie. It's as encouraging as it is entertaining. Uh, I just really wanted to start with that one because that was in uh, 1987 when that was written. Mm, nice. Some of the other ones I'm not 100% sure. I would hope that it was about that same time. Uh, but the Austin Chronicle said, The film's sense of family values will make your heart head hurt, and the chase scenes will set your noggin spinning. That was another 100 out of 100. Oh, wow. And there's a lot of those, actually. Yeah, I imagine. Um, but I, you know, we gotta we gotta talk about the bad <laughs> we here. We have too. to. San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, they said, nope. Twenty five out of a <laughs> twenty five out of hundred. Peter Stack <laughs> said, the big trouble with raising Arizona is that the Coens overdrew their wild and crazy yarn and overdo almost every gag and gimmick. Hmm. Also written in 1987. Uh, this is a user review, uh, just a, a watcher review. One out of ten, one point five hours. I'll never get back. Yeah, up there, up is a capital for some reason. Up there with one of the worst films I've ever watched. But they don't elaborate. Down. What the other one what film? Do, what are the other? Wouldn't you say down there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just all over the place. So it's like <laughs> it's one of his most hated films, but it's like almost not. So it's at the top. So it's not, it's almost yeah. to a good one. Yeah, it's all it's all it's up there. Yeah, with a bad one. Yeah, you're on the mountain <laughs> of shit. That's what you are. Uh, but there's a lot of love for this movie out there. Um, this is ten out of ten best movie ever. Oh, I have watched this movie many times, and it's still the best movie ever made. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Carolman. That's. Carol Mann, Carolman. Uh, last one here, guys. 10 out of 10. A very quirky love story. Uh, this is this says, I normally don't write reviews, <laughs> but I have just watched this movie again after many years and felt inspired to. Hey, cool. I cool. get it. Okay. The first time I saw it was when I was about 13 or 14 and made enough of an impression to last a lifetime. I think that it's one of Cage's best. He really makes a great comedy actor. Paired really well with Hunter. Its chase scenes are zany and excellently shot by two guys who had the same vision. Brothers had the same vision. You're right. (laughs) It was released in 87, a long time ago now, but it's aged well. All right. Damn. Good job. Not a lot of bad ones. No, uh, I didn't want to get caught up in the bad ones because I feel like that's my favorite part. uh, Well, I just I think it's an easy. I feel like. People who just watch this movie, it's such an easy target because, and they all read the same. Okay, they all read the same. Like, it doesn't make any uh, sense. That would never happen. Like, why? Why would they do this? Why was someone in his dream in real life too? Thanks, Shawshank. Like, <laughs> there's only like ten that. rounds <laughs> in that gun, and yeah. then he shot it thirty <laughs> times. It's ridiculous. So, uh, it's ridiculous. Realistically, that car wouldn't get that much gas mileage. <laughs> 
Well, Confused Breakfasters, before we get started on the scene-by-scene breakdown of this movie, I want to give you a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Cedar Ridge Distillery. We know they're amazing. You know they're amazing. True. Likely the best whiskey distiller in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you obviously know it if you bought a bottle. But I just saw an article they shared at GoBourbon.com that pointed out an insane fact to prove to you if you're still on the fence. Cedar Ridge is the only craft distillery in America to be a state's number one overall best-selling whiskey. Okay. I'll explain. So here's the quote. In 49 states, a major distillery produces the number one best-selling bourbon in the state, which would be the Jim Beams, the Maker's Marks, the Jack Daniels. But that's not the case in Iowa, where Cedar Ridge has been the number one for two straight years, outselling the nearest major distillery competition by 35%. Jeez. Mm. So you heard it here first. Cedar Ridge whiskey is the best in the world. I mean, we're saying this. We're Obvious. stating this. Yeah. First Iowa next year state you need to check this amazing company out stop by a liquor store near you to pick some up if your store doesn't have it you can order a bottle directly online at cedarridgewhiskey.com stop by their website add them on social media check them out in person in swisher iowa tell them confused breakfast sent you and go grab a bottle just trust us yep it's the absolute best i dare you yeah i dare you to do it I dare you. Now. Are you looking in the camera when you say that? I dare you. Shit. You could this also probably, I dare you to go to cedarridgewhiskey.com. I dare you to I, do that. I dare you to drink responsibly. I dare you to do that, too. Because that's to hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, those two words generally don't go yeah. together. Yeah. So no. A little, little reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I dare you to just have two and that's then right. go to bed. Yeah. yeah. Sure, I dare you. <laughs> Try. I dare you. Got him. Well, boys, what do you say we break out of the joint and clean up our acts? We may live in poverty and be forced to eat sand, but at least we'll have each other. We'll even try to do our best to stay away from convenience stores and fly straight, but it won't be easy with that some bitch Reagan in the White House. Here we go. So Herbert H.I. McDonough, also known as High, is a petty criminal with a proclivity for robbing convenience stores. He is constantly in and out of jail, but is repeatedly paroled. An unlikely romance blossoms between High and young policewoman named Ed. High proposes to Ed after his latest release from jail. They marry and begin a new life in a trailer in the Arizona desert. Uh, Mike. Hi. Is this maybe the best credit? Intro. I don't even want to talk about it yet because okay. here's how fucked up it is. All right. It's not even until scene two yeah. that we're talking about the opening. It's like credits. 13 minutes in. Yes. It's very strange. So I don't even I, we're not I even would there. like you to hold your I would like you to hold that question. We're not I even don't there. even want to talk about it yet. I don't That's even fine. want we haven't even talked about it. We I don't even want to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> I think I think this movie is one of the like most catching opening, just just like right from the bat, you are just like, I want to watch this movie. Yeah, it, it, and it, it happened to me every time. I just unfortunately I noticed it was always just too late in the night that I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. But this movie just right from the start pulls you in. It's unbelievable. It's it's such such rich with great characters. Like right, like right off the bat, it's you you are introduced to Hi, which I think is maybe like my, my favorite character name. Just calling Hi. someone high, I I love that so much. It just it makes so such sense with his character even, um, but you're introduced and you're getting some uh, uh, voiceover from Cage yep. himself, and it's also 
kind of like an unreliable narrator. You're right, dude. I was wondering if you were going to talk about that because he just essentially he's sort of telling us what we want to hear, kind yeah. of right. I think he's he's telling it how he sees it. I think I think he sees a lot of things very simply, and he sees it a lot of um, like dreamlike, which which is cool that they have that factor in this where he does have some dreams and they come to fruition or don't. Um, but I, I do think that it's, it's, this is basically a, a Looney Tunes episode. It, he te- it is. he yeah. tells it with a bias is yeah. like what you're saying. Like a lot of the time you'll have a narrator and it could be the main character, but the narrator is telling you what is happening. But this narrator high is telling you from his own perspective with this, glee of or, or this idea that he's doing right yeah. in some way shape or form i feel like it, i'm still doing right by this mm-hmm. like i I, want, I tried to stay away from the convenience store but you know you just you just had to i just had to go back and do it one more time so <laughs> yeah. I, and like he he's justifying it i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah it's almost like his narration is justified it's almost like he's sit high sitting at the table with us right now and we're like hi tell us about your life yeah and he's telling us this story and we're envisioning it right. based on what he's saying because <laughs> exactly. it's so crazy. Yeah. We'll get there obviously, but you know what? He's also telling it like he's telling, like he's an old man and he's telling like I his know. grandkids, yeah. you know? And so we, like, that's kind of like towards the end and everything I know, but like, it's, it's almost like, um, the, uh, princess bride. Okay. okay. Like he's telling his grandson, this kind of fantastical, Columbo. somewhat true story Columbo is yeah <laughs> I think I see it like that now that we've been talking about it, I didn't I didn't even write that down Nick, Nick Cage is like, was like 23 in this movie yeah he's a fucking handsome he's dude awesome dang I like this is I, I know Nick Cage is all over the map at this point at like at this point in life he's done so many things and he's become such a huge name and then not a big name and whatever this was just like untamed raw yes. Nick Cage before anyone even knew what the hell we were getting out of this guy. And it may honestly be one of my favorite roles of his. I think it is. It's definitely my favorite role that bar none. 100%. I love him in wild at heart as well, but I, you see an interview with this guy and like, it's that like GQ, um, remembering all of his like iconic roles and characters and, and going back to even this, he remembers them like they were yesterday, and he he could tell you like the references that he pulls, like he was reading this comic or something like that, and he was really influenced by this certain comic cartoon character, wow. and like he's he's so invested, and I think that's why he's like that generation's best actor in my opinion. I just think that he puts the craft in it way more than anybody else would. He's hundred percent invested in in telling the story. There's a dedication that Nick Cage gives that and and he's going to give it for better or for worse. Yeah, he's always giving 100% <laughs> yeah. no matter what. You can't fault him. <laughs> like, like, it may turn out good or bad. Once I don't he's know. into his what he's going to do, he is doing it. Yeah, you, and, you watch a Wicker Man. You, yeah. If he's not in that movie, you're not watching that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. You're not. <laughs> I just, like, I just have this thing with, I have... I, and I don't want to call it like a love hate. It's just like it, maybe it's like I have a love disdain relationship with Nick Cage okay. and the roles that he I plays. I think that's appropriate. And because and I think that most people actually do because by by all and I know like I I say this delicately because I know you really enjoy a lot of what he does, Sean. 
And but every now and again, I just have this idea of like, that's just Nick Cage. You, you're like, he's only 23 in this movie. I'm like, could have fucking fooled me. <laughs> yeah, because you might as well have been playing this role now to a degree. Because yeah. Nick Cage to me is Nick Cage, no matter like he's an and, immortal being. He, he's just immortal, like Paul Rudd. You know, <laughs> like he just doesn't age. And, and to me, and and I mean this in a good way. Like he doesn't age, and and. I, then, then again, maybe I'm not going to mean this next part in a good way, but apparently neither does his acting. Uh, neither does, yeah. Because I feel like he would have played this role the exact same today if he were, had a chance to play it mm. as he would have at 23. Well, maybe not so much, though, because like I, I read that since he was still so young... The Cohen brothers really were able to be like, no. They really rained yeah. on Like, him. no, you can't, no, you can't do that. You have to stick to this. Where nowadays, not, not a fucking chance in the world. He's like, he's like, well, then I'm leaving. So you're <laughs> so since they had the opportunity to rein him in. Yes. And be like and and kind of and and protect their thing. Yep. That's but they would he wouldn't have been able to. So it would have been maybe it more been, outlandish it or even more outlandish probably. I, I bet that. it probably you think would so? have. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Interesting. I because I think they like obviously I don't know if you guys have, he, have seen Blood Simple their first feature. It was right before this, right? Right before this, it is like a down and dirty one of the. It's like um, uh, their first attempt at No Country for Old Men, pretty much. Oh wow! But just maybe a little, little more pulpy. Um, but it's it's so different. I mean, obviously, no, no Country for Old Men is way different than this. It's yeah. just like I said, it's a cartoon brought to life, and he fulfills that like Woody the Woodpecker kind of uh, aesthetic very very well. I just love um, his delivery on some of this, and it goes with his delivery with the writing of this, like where he's like he walks in. I'm walking in here on my knees, Ed, a free man <laughs> proposing. Howdy, Kurt. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> just the guy getting ru- the getting booked. <laughs> they all know each other. It's a revolving door. Howdy, Kurt. <laughs> anyway, that's that's a very big Lebowski thing too. Yes. Like like uh, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes mm-hmm. much obliged. Sometimes the, <laughs> it's sometimes just the Cohen Brothers style is yeah. so brilliant. And, then, like and that. that's that Preston Sir just kind of overlapping, kind of uh, uh, getting distracted from your main point yep. and, and hitting one oh another and God. then coming back to it. It's that kind of thing. It's it's it's. ADD characters mm-hmm. like are scripting like it's yeah it's getting distracted by uh, other things in the room not staying on the focal point it's not staying on the fact that you're proposing you're still saying howdy to you the buddy that you've been booked with before right. yeah. or next to or before or after you've seen him in in prison and what does that do it just adds so much more character it it adds a lot of depth because in that scene he's he's like proposing to uh, Ed Ed and. He's distracted by his buddy, and that yeah. just tells you so much, so much about him. I think we're just like, yeah, he obviously he knows that guy as as we see. I don't know. It just, I just think it's a, a really, really cool touch, and it really uh, kind of hard to do uh, dialogue bit. Um, yeah, the guy when he like goes to prison over and over again in this scene. Uh, the janitor guy mopping the floor, mopping the guy. He might as well be the uh, random task. But if random task was a cr- oh, a crim- criminal, he is. Oh wait, yes. He is, he is <laughs> oh wait, a, so it was random. Yeah, is a, is a criminal. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Anyway, <laughs> did you hear Kevin Costner audition for the role of High? Yeah. Three I, times. I would have. I would have enjoyed that. I think he. I think he could have done it, but it, it, this is just. Nick Cage's role. It is. He had to be a little unhinged kind of thing. I don't know if Kevin Costner can do that. I would have loved to see him try. I would sure. have loved to see him try for sure. I think the closest I think I he got. Too. Did you watch Fandango? Yeah, the movie uh, with um, who we were just talking about. Jesus Christ. 
Kevin Costner. <laughs> Kevin Costner. <laughs> oh my god. You watch Fandango? <laughs> wait, wait. People are still confused over last week's episode of, so of farting before me. They're still like, I don't know what's going on right now. Oh, yeah. let, let me just dis- let me just put that out in, out in the ether right now. So she says, every, I know everyone is thinking. I know everyone was thinking like, how dare you fart before me? Like, bef- like in front of her. Yeah. But she says it like, how dare you fight before me? It's what? she puts, <laughs> she puts the. She puts the emphasis oh on before and not she how puts she the would. wrong emphasis on the em- wrong yes. syllable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> basically yes. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just go back to last week's episode, That's and right. you'll be even more confused anyway, than you are now. Kevin Costner's great. Okay. How about uh, how about Holly Hunter in this? The, the Coen Brothers wrote this role specifically with her in mind, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted her in Blood Simple, and then Frances McDormand got that, and uh, yeah, so they they. Be, they wanted to write that wrong, pretty much, and get her in this movie. My fiance left me. Fiance, I love fiance. <laughs> I love it because she is such a like she's so stoic, and you can tell he's winning her over, but she's not like showing yeah. anything. And then when she finally breaks down, that her fiance left her is when like he can step in and and make his move, kind of. A thing. <laughs> yeah. I just like I really like her in this role. She's I, so good. I watched with uh with uh. Subtitles on, and they spell when she says finance. It's it's F I A N S E. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't think how they would do that. Finance, yes. finance. <laughs> that was a very very funny thing. This is one of these, and again, I I, I it's not that I want to watch movies like this. Sometimes I, I get caught up in it, and but this is again also why I don't write IMDb reviews. Because you never know what mental state you're going to be in when you watch a movie, guys. But it's very frustrating. Doesn't, like, every state have, like, a three-strike like, <laughs> like thing? And he goes through it, like, three times, doesn't he? It might have been. I think it's I think it's implied it was probably more than that. It's more than that? Like, that he's doing, like, armed robbery? Well, no, but I, he doesn't have bullets in is the that, gun. Is that what like, it is? Is the reason that he's not getting the whole book thrown at him is because he's never using an actual weapon? That's what they're saying. So okay, so is that weird? That does he use a gun at the end? Uh, I don't or know. No, I, I don't think know. he does. I don't actually. know if he actually shoots the weapon at all. Okay, I think he just has them. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. And so, but again, it's it's like I don't know. It's it's part of it that drives me a little nuts. Like in watching all this happen, and and Cohen Brothers does this a lot, and and it's one thing that I do agree with is is. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other movie we we talked or said a similar thing. Sean, you said a similar thing about another one. It's like, okay, we're watching this again. And here I am. I'm just watching it again. And all but I guess what's creative about it is that you're watching the same thing over and over. You're watching him get booked over and over again. I guess the thing that's you're just kind of watching for what's changing each little right. time. And part of that has to do with Ed. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so don't but forget his pinky, it. Yeah. Just the guy in the background. Don't forget your bouquet, it. The, at her wedding, the, he's there. <laughs> it's like, those are those are the little funny things that that win me back because I feel like it's it's so and I, I get caught between this idea of like is this is this lazy or is this ex, like extraordinarily creative? Yeah, you know what I mean. To be able to to be able to re just use the same thing over and over again. And then and then add more jokes into it. I, I don't know. I get caught in this like kind of hard place. Yeah. Mm. So you're gonna have to get over that. I think you're right. 
<laughs> well, scene two, High gets a legitimate job and they decide to start a family. However, Ed learns that she is infertile and their attempts to adopt are foiled by H.I.'s criminal history. They are devastated until they learn the news of a quintuplet sons born to Nathan in Florence, Arizona. They decide to steal one of the babies for their own. H.I. and Ed arrive at the Arizona home one evening and steal Nathan Jr. to take home. Feeling somewhat guilty, High dreams of an evil biker that has been set loose on the world due to his crime. You know what's amazing about this movie, Sean, is you got the brilliant M. Emmett Walsh from Christmas with the Cranks in yeah. this movie. Ugh. Like it's like it's so great. Yeah. I uh, mean, like I, I saw him, I'm like, man, I can't wait for Christmas with the Cranks coming around this season. You know what I mean? That's your barometer for M. Oh, M. Yeah. Walsh. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're doing this on purpose, I know. <laughs> Where did we talk about that in? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I think know. it was uh whatever our last M. Emmett Walsh was, it was like <laughs> it was like, Oh yeah, you know, he's so <laughs> brilliant. Sean's like, Yeah, he's in uh, Raising Arizona and then I was like, In Christmas with the Cranks and he goes I fucking hate you. He's in <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. Is that what it was? I think yeah. it was Harry. Uh, thank it you. was his dad. It was his dad. Yeah. And Harry yes, it was. <laughs> yes. And yeah. yeah. Uh, he's in Blood Simple too. So yeah. It's but yeah. Christmas with the Cranks is is a great movie. Yeah. He's so he's really good in this though. Like the stories, <laughs> you're just falling into the middles of these stories. Going, what story is he telling? And that's Ed Parker, mind you. <laughs> Just the way smacking his gun. He's walking down the middle of nine mile. He's got his lunch in one hand and a head in the other. And you're like, Jesus, <laughs> I want to know Lord. this whole story. Now it's like, I want more. It's like High's cellmate, too. He's like in the crowd as they come up. It's like they, M.M. Walsh's character, who I think is just like his coworker, co worker, yeah, credited it, as, and then his cellmate need a podcast. Like the, really of their do. stories, I'm just like, <laughs> I will listen all day. And the crawdads. The crawdads. <laughs> and when we couldn't eat crawdads, we, we ate sand. We ate sand. You ate, ate sand? sand? We ate sand. We ate sand. Everybody's accent in this movie is probably pretty much my favorite in the entire world. Everybody I, uh, sounds so cool. I have to assume that, like, I, I imagine in my head when you're watching these movies that, the, like, Coen Brothers, whoever is directing at that point in time, just, just yelling cut and be like, can you do more accent? Yeah, more accent on it. It's like I feel like I'm doing a lot already. It's just nope. put more on it. We're making fun of Arizona. Please, it's like, please, just put more on it. And then they do it like a lot, and they're like, perfect. <laughs> That's what I feel like is going on this entire movie. Well, I guess the the people of Arizona, even like what the governor of Arizona made a statement after this came out, being like, "This in no way, shape, or form, yeah, like is Arizona." And I don't know how you could even come up with this movie, <laughs> but I have heard from some people that did live in Arizona in the late seventies, early eighties that this was like rural Arizona. Okay, you know, and they and they they've since been trying to get past that and be like, "No, we have these." wineries and we have phoenix arizona and they're like no you go outside of town and this is this is arizona yeah it's a little this cool. is what it's like <laughs> i've been one time and i've been to like the major cities in arizona but i've also been to tombstone and it as well as like it being a tour tourist trap the the locals are definite locals yes and that's a deep deep the arizona <laughs> deep deep down inside it's such a tribute to the Coen brothers, like their their writing style and the pictures they paint and the the like things they try to map together. I just love the line where he's talking about how he would still drive past convenience stores that weren't on the way home. I love that. Like that's such a that's such a weird like normally it's like I went past my 
oh, my, my ex-girlfriend's house, even though it wasn't on the yeah. way home. He's driving past convenience stores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going. <sighs> like, uh, it's, you know, it's romantic it's way, to him. Yeah, it's like yeah. Where, where the car pulls up and the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend's light turns off yeah. in the house. This is him looking at the convenience store in the same way. Yeah, I it's love amazing. It. I, it's like an ex-smoker who just like looks at packs when he's like buying a, a pack of gum or something like that. Oh, fuck, what could have been? What I could still be been. doing that. <laughs> Coen Brothers has this amazing ability to make me to make me buy into the whatever logic is being thrown at the moment. And so one of those things is when they're ad- trying to adopt, and it's like, well, we know Hyatt's got a checkered past, but, you know, she's a decorated police officer twice <laughs> over. And it's just like, we feel like it kind of balances out. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, I think that balances out. Like, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, in. I'm okay with that. No, no, I believe him. You know, that makes sense. I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, the poetry of their words sometimes, like, they didn't just say that she's unable to have kids. Yeah. She's it, barren. It's barren. like, the, so the, the, what does he say? He's like, her insides are more barren and rocky that can't hold my seed or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you didn't have to go into that much detail. But I, yeah. it's beautiful how he says it. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Just like, I'm barren uh, when she comes home. And it's like, it's, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do love when they get all packed up and uh, ready to go to the Arizonas, the Arizonas, Nathan, Arizona. Right. Um, he's in that room, like dealing with all the babies and like picking the best one pretty much like, oh, yeah. And then like he's, he's checking eggs at the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> checking the, the expiration date yeah, on yeah. A, a lot of these. But then there's a baby who's like, he got one out of the crib, and there's a baby like coming up on like the railing of the crib, and he just, I don't know if you guys know this, he pushes the baby over. Yeah, no. really? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, yeah. I didn't see that. I guess, I guess you would have to just do that. <laughs> like, you don't want him falling out, but it like yeah. toppled him over. Yeah. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> well, and, and right before they do get to his house is the 11 and a half minute mark, which is when the final, the title, title screen finally comes yeah. up. And it, I, I think it probably never fails for anybody who's seen it a million times or the third time I watched it, it was like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Like yeah. we haven't even seen a title screen yet. It's cuz this intro is so perfectly packed with action, setting up the story, funniness. Here we go. Bam, title screen. They're yeah. just fine it's with beautiful. throwing you in it's like beautiful. that. It's beautiful. Yeah, you're you're right. They and, didn't have to do that. They could have just been like it's raising Arizona yeah. and here's the movie. But you know that there's timing to it. You know, they they it's it's like this smart way of making you realize, hey, we just set it up. Now we're into what we here want starts to talk. the movie. Here, here now starts the time frame of what we're talking about. And I think know? it's, I think it's a, a testament to Carter Burwell's score too. Just the song so perfect. Like it's going through that whole thing. Yep. And it stops maybe for like a, an interview with him and his parole officers and everything, uh, but then starts right back up again as the, as the next scene hits. And then once the tile screen comes up, it's just that yodeling. And it's so rhythmic. I think that's what kind of gets you into it, in it's my opinion. Tra- it's kind of a train chugging yeah, along. Yeah, it's a just like, bit. oh, okay, yeah. And then once it gets to the tile screen, you're like, I think I'm in. I think, uh, I think I'll keep watching this. I think I'll keep listening to this album, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Florence, Arizona is the site of a state prison, and it's also the name of the mother. Her name is Florence, Arizona, so it's like a oh, weird yeah. little metaphor of her being the jail, holding yeah. in, and high must break in and get Junior out, kind of a weird <laughs> thing. I don't know if that was intended or yeah. what, but <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I uh, I just want 
to, I just want to say the funniest thing about him trying to like pick which kid and that the fact that he actually just leaves. <laughs> well, he's like, I don't know what to do. Is <laughs> that he just kind of gave crying. up is very funny to me. It is like, really like awesome. he's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, and it, it wasn't even the fact like, I just couldn't do it. You know, I just couldn't take that kid. It's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. I just didn't know which one to, to get. And then, the, like, her telling him to just, you go back in there, you get me a baby. Like, like he forgot to pick something up inside the grocery <laughs> store again. It's just very funny to me. Like a pregnant woman would be like, you you didn't get the right kind of ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, you got you got cats up, not ketchup. Like, what the heck are you doing? You didn't get anything. That I'm, does happen in Christmas with the Cranks when he comes out, when Tim Allen comes out. We, we, we can, well, we're putting that movie on trial. <laughs> no! We're putting that movie on trial. AJ loves it. I guarantee I you. I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm sure it's great. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite, like, one of my favorite acting moments of all time, I think, is Francis, or not Francis Madorn, Holly Hunter, when they're taking Nathan Jr. back home. He's like, oh, he's a, he's a little outlaw, you can tell. Uh, and she's like, I love him so much. <laughs> I fuck, that's like so good. I think it's like, it's at the same time comedic and cartoonish, but it's also like obviously she, she. It seems like she really wants a baby, and it like I'm. I feel for her at that moment. You, we all know whether we know them and we know they're going through this, or we just don't know it. There are so many people in the world that go through the trouble of infertility yeah. and like how much money people have spent to to get like in vitro and like because it's like this is what we were bred to do, especially yeah. women. And like if they really want to do this and they can't, that's got to be one of the most unbelievably depressing things in the world to where I'm sure people have thought the same thing that they've thought in this movie. Sure. Yeah. To be like, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem fair. They have five kids right. and I can't even have one. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about it like that. I, I'm there again. I'm just like, you know what? I, I kind of believe what they're good. Like, I think like, it is right. unfair, actually. I was like, I think they're probably doing that. We're helping they're, them. They're probably doing them a big favor. You look, know what? Look at him when he was you in know? there. <laughs> look at him when he was in there. They were all getting away. They were yes. all scattering. He's Nightmare. Like, he got one in the crib, and one's already out Ugh. doing something else. You know, yeah. they did have too much to handle. Just harsh. Yeah. You know what? Like, that's that crib. <laughs> By the way, wait, wait, wait. What were all their, all their names? All their names, like Gary, <laughs> Harry, Larry, Larry, and there's two R's and everything. And then it's just Nathan, Nathan Jr. <laughs> well, you have to. You I'm gotta so have, glad. You gotta... Maybe the firstborn. I don't know. I'm Probably. so glad that like. I, I I guess I just wish that like they thought they got Nathan Jr. and then they left all the other ones, but instead they got Larry. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I, like, I just think that would have been something funny to me that that they just picked the wrong one somehow. So now they know they picked the wrong one. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. Very funny. that would have been funny. As the father of a three month old uh, child, my first Willa, like it's weird being a a person. I'm sure a lot of our listeners understand that of like being a male and being like, okay, here's a baby. Like, what do I do with it? So watching Nick Cage walk around the house and just be like, look at here's the wall over there and there's the kitchen. Like that is what I do when I don't know what to. Do. I'm like, Willa, here's my drum set and here's where Daddy records his TikTok videos. Oh. It was just it punched me in the face. I'm like, oh shit, that's what I do. Um, Oh, I have no clue what I'm doing. Here's where your mom and I sit down, relax, and watch a little television. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the family room. And Not too much of it, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, Unless you it's football or cartoons or, yeah. whatever, or something wanna, educational. Yeah, something educational or football. It's like, I don't want to deprive her. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to scene three then. So the abduction of Nathan Arizona Jr. quickly becomes a local news item and a reward is offered. Meanwhile, High's prison buddies Gail and Evel tunnel out of prison and go to H.I.'s trailer seeking refuge. High and Ed attempt to ease into normal married life and invite High's supervisor Glenn and his family over for lunch. The visit becomes more than High can bear. After an inappropriate com- comment, High punches Glenn and loses his job. Nice. I'd like to nominate a recasting here, but not for this movie. Okay. But I'd like to nominate John Goodman as is he Gale in this yes. movie? Yes. Yeah. I'd like to take John Goodman's Gale. Breaking out of prison, and I'd like to insert him into Goro in Mortal Kombat. (laughs) 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 That was like... It's not even the first time, or it's not even the last time he does this in the movie. It it was so weird to me. I am a gigantic John Goodman fan. Uh, I I I love love John Goodman so much, and I forgot he was in this movie. And then to see him, uh, the first thing I see of him is this scene where he's yelling, and I'm like, oh, fucking love when John Goodman yells. Why is he still yelling? This is going on forever. <laughs> He's still yelling. This is hilarious. Like it, it did yeah. one of those. Like it went on too long, but then it went on just long enough to where I it's came. It's funny around. because yeah. it's hilarious. It's funny because it went on too long. It was amazing. It I love how he pulls Evel, Evel, right? Yeah. Evel, yep. Evel. He pulls him out from his, by his ankle <laughs> upside Which down. Is clearly, just a leg. You <laughs> it's can tell. so good. Um, globs and globs of pomade. I just, Holy uh, dude, shit. this is one of the most disturbing scenes yes. of the entire movie. But it kind of <laughs> makes me, I kind of makes me want to do my hair like that once or twice and just <sighs> see what happens. Like Sean would look dope in that haircut. Oh yeah, With you just, would look awesome. The and amount, then weird little front fill curl kind of thing. You'd yeah. look so good. You got to do the Zuko. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, oh man, there's just so much, so much pom, and it's the, it's that final glop. That's the only way I could describe it. <laughs> that John Goodman does on himself, like looking back over his shoulder, and then he just grabs, like reaches in for one more and just go <laughs> right on the side, combing it in. It's just so, so much, guys. So his name's William Forsyth. 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 Bill Sorfax. Evel. I know he's fairly well known, right? Like, yeah, he's kind of dropped off quite a bit after uh, Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects. You but. know what my immediate thought was? Like, my immediate role that I went to that he plays? Mm. Uh, Blue he Streak? Would, no, he was in He was in The Rock <laughs> with Nick Cage. That's right, yep. that's right, yep. yes. Special, special Agent Paxton. <laughs> that's right. And I was like, yes. He was in a lot of these just kind of action movies. Like, he's not in Broken Arrow, but things like that. Yes. You yeah. know, like Walter Hill, uh, Extreme Prejudice, he's in that movie. Um, and yeah, like uh, um, The Rock. The Rock it, He's just he's that guy. He's, like he's got the this. gruff, gravelly voice, and he's like he's an authority figure. Unique face, so you're like, oh, that guy. Have he's you seen a- Devil's Rejects at no. all? He's the like pretty much the villain in that movie. Sweet. So good. He looks very different from this role to The Rock too. Like his face has changed pretty significantly to yeah. where he's like wow, you're of, like an old guy. Got kind of a moon face going on yeah. in this movie. <laughs> like he's just like the and I don't know if the gap is real or not the tooth gap but he he just does does look really really different there's the, something about him it's a very it, he's that this this shows from everything i knew him as this really shows like his depth though yeah. i think as an actor though him him and john cuz this is what was your 87 
for this, this movie? Yeah, yeah, this is his first Coen Brother collaboration. And, and if you're talking about John Goodman, too, I believe this is like pretty right, early. right before Roseanne, maybe. Yeah. It, they, I just love the writing in this, and I love both of their deliveries. Like when um, John Goodman's character, Gail, says, um, Miss, I was explaining to your better half. Like there's these subtle digs that he's yeah. giving this girl. I was explaining to your better half. Yeah. Normally that's the kind thing you say opposite version. Way. You go, you go hey, hey, sorry, buddy, I, I would like to say hi to your better half. Yeah, right. yeah. You're my buddy, but she's your better half. It's like... That was flipped on its head. It's, it's like, like the like, triangle of friends, and then the, once one of them gets like a serious girlfriend or something, yeah. you know, it, then the one of them gets mad or something. It's 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 kind of fun how he plays off that. It really subtly, was very man. subtly. Yeah, you very subtly. Dude, you can I, tell she doesn't like him at all. One of the f- I I think it's in this scene when they first get to the trailer. He's kind of like kind of or high is kind of contemplating what he sh- contemplating what he should do, uh, and I think Evel is uh or he says like i gotta i gotta i gotta be serious about this i got a family to take care of now and uh everything like that and um evil is like hi you're young you got your health what in the world would you want with a job i just love the way he says that dude again you're like you're right you're absolutely right you're right what would you want with a job it's one of my favorite lines of the movie. I I just I keep going back to the, the like the awkwardness of when all four of them are in the room yeah. together, mm. you know, and I guess I can see who wears the pants around here. Yeah, yeah. You know, like John Goodman's saying that kind of stuff and and then high high trying to trying to stand up. He doesn't want to though. Yeah. Like and that's kind of the sad thing about this whole little like, you know, all that that whole relationship between the four of them is he doesn't really want to yeah. deal with his buddies. Yeah. You know. I think he knows and but he is trying to be like diplomatic about it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, we got we got honest company coming over now. <laughs> honest company. Honest company. He's like, I think what Ed's trying to say is, well, you boys are wanted. So it's like, and that's the thing is, how how do they continue to make normalcy out of these outrageous situations? Yeah. You're you're housing like fugitives. Yeah, yeah. And so it's normal. It's just like, well, you're wanted, man. So it might be good better if you if you're scarce and. Find yeah. yourself scared. <laughs> we don't want you getting seen too much. It's like, yeah. See, I agree with you there. You know, yeah. I think that's a good idea to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is reasonable. You yeah, know. It's, no, it's reasonable. You know, just for a couple nights. I swear, tonight and tomorrow, and that's it. And then he has the dream. What do you guys yep. think about the dream? Oh, the dream. Is this of of the evil yeah, biker? Randall Tex Cobb. I think is what's his name. Um, Randall Te- is Leonard Smalls. Yes, Leonard Smalls. Uh, Leonard Smalls, Randall Tex Cobb, is quite possibly one of the most frightening people on screen of all time. Yeah, I think you're right. They they even said that um, the character of Leonard Smalls was created when the Coen brothers tried to envision an evil character, but not from their imagination, but one that High would have thought of. Yeah. And, and that is what they came up with. It's so it's so deep because it's it's like obviously you probably guys saw the saw the metaphor of him being what high has to kind of get over is his like criminal outlaw ways of his just like kind of dis- the path of destruction he's kind of laying subtly. I think that's perfect kind of metaphor for it. And it, to make it so outlandish is where he's throwing fucking grenades at bunnies <laughs> and shit. It is so good. And driving by like lilies and they just combust. Yeah. It's so funny. It's some sort of weird Mel Gibson road warrior yep. kind of person. And, uh, 
and I, he is like he he just played scary people in like the in late eighties and early nineties. He was apparently 90s. like a a pro. He almost went pro for boxing. Really, and apparently he had a, like a fight set up against like some huge heavyweight title guy that he had a shot of winning. <laughs> but he got in like a bar fight three nights before and like got his arm broken or something like that. Are you serious? <laughs> like like the guy that just couldn't handle it, you know, like uh, he was just seriously an insane person is what I is what I kind of read. Yeah, the oh, Cohen's yeah. the Cohen's said that he was very like uh, kind of like um Nick Cage, but in the real sense, not the creative sense. He was he was just difficult just for the sake of being difficult. Oh great. Which is why he makes for such an on screen presence. Yeah. I th- I feel. Oh uh, yeah. It's a believable. It's not like oh yeah. that guy's acting and he, like a tough guy, it's like no, I'm not fucking with that guy. Yeah, no, I no, absolutely, that He's guy's a terrifying. Literal baby hunter. <laughs> He's got little <laughs> baby That's shoes. Scary, dude. <laughs> Sean, did you recognize the one of the FBI agents? I let's, sure let's did. See, let's see if AJ AJ, do you recognize one of them? So when they're back, when they finally report the missing child, Nathan Junior, there's a bunch of FBI agents hanging out there asking questions. Uh, one of their one of them was actor Warren Keith. And he was he know. was the way I know it, and I I know the way Sean knows it is he was the one at the funeral home at Bing Lebowski is like it's our most modestly modestly priced receptacle. Oh, <laughs> like, I saw him in the face. I go, no, oh my god, it's that guy from the funeral home. So they're just they're they're like Adam. Are Sandler. you the bereaved? <laughs> Are you the bereaved? And in that same scene, I don't know if you noticed uh, when Nathan Arizona is like, you guys have any leads? Like, what's going on here? The guy in the background is the is the cop in Big Lebowski. Leads. Who's like leads? Yeah, I'll just check with the boys down at the we crime gotta lab. We got to work it in shifts. <laughs> we got to work it in shifts. Same guy. I'm like, whoa, that's I love awesome. that shit. And actors working in other different movies is kind of cool. Wait, so you're telling me an actor can play two different roles I in guess two different movies? It seems so, Mike. Mind blowing. Well, obviously, guys, because. It's obvious it's another Coen Brothers movie. He must obviously know the Coen Brothers. I mean, obviously. <laughs> so Glenn Glenn and his family come over for lunch. Oh, my God, dude. This whole thing. Well, first of all, this is the worst. Did, did you recognize Glenn? Yeah. Did you? I, I'm looking in your direction, AJ. This is what I like to do. I like to always, for, for those out there that are yelling at me, like, oh, weird, another actor played another role. I like to bring up actors who are in other movies that we've done. You know, it's fun. It's fun. We're creating our own universe here. Get the net. Get get the fucking net. Did you recognize Glenn at all? Uh, I don't even think I did. From movies we've done? Yes, we've done done a movie. I I wish I wrote down. Don't look it up. I apologize. Don't look it up. I'm not. I am looking it up, but I just, I want (laughs) to know. Actually, look at his face and see if you can tell me who he is. I know who he, I like, he's, he does a very similar role in almost all of his movies, God, I cannot think. He's, but he always kind of plays this like kind of, kind of straight shooting piece of shit. You know well, what I mean? Well, not really in this movie. So he was in Christmas Vacation. Oh, he, he was, was a vacation. He was his movie. coworker. That's like, well, have a mer- a very merry, merry Christmas. Merry. He's like the guy. That's, well, what's the matter? Something wrong? Did hey, did a courier bring your bonus by? Yeah, wife said somebody brought something by the house. I don't know. Like that. That's that's totally him. That's him, and yes. it's amazing because he's very. He's not memorable in that movie. He's no. just the coworker. But this is like 
full blown unbelievable role of it's the guy so that good. you hate yeah. so much. The, everybody's been in that situation where you, your significant other or your family, it's like, hey, we got to have these people come over. Yeah. Like, and you just kind of go, okay, we can do this. But you just know that the guy, you just hate him so much. He just talks so much. Yes. And doesn't doesn't let, like he asks you questions, but and like gives you a second to answer and then takes over <laughs> your answer. Yeah. It's I've I've known so many people like that too. This is it's it's like the the worst of all worlds <laughs> in in who he is and then how he just like addresses everyone around him including his family and let's Which is be why his kids are pieces of shit. Let's be real like he just like gets out and it's like what do they say he says I don't know what the line is that prompts it but then they just look over and they're just drawing all over high's car they're they're they all... go fart on the wall. ooh here's a prop I literally want a, a broken off piece of wood that has fart written on it for our fucking wall I, th- I the minute I saw that I was like that is my prop oh, I, and I love that kid's face when he turns around he's like I'm right yeah what's up I'm writing fart on this fart. who cares he's like and they say something about how he's like gotten he's gotten good with like his his letters or something <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be a cal- calligraphist <laughs> that's so frustrating oh what's your props sorry I'm to steal a, that one from I think you. I'm I don't know if it can be a prop but I think I want to get that Woody Woodpecker tattoo on me. I was gonna say like how do you how do you ask for that as a prop yeah, but, yeah. Well, I, I have something to tell you later that you may not want that I think I know what you're gonna say well, you I can still it. get it if you want I'll say no just because of that okay. and, <laughs> and to be safe and not be fucking cancelled and shit um <laughs> You you oh, go. Fuck yeah, fuck. I want the I want the booties. Oh no! From, from Randall Tex Cat from uh, yeah. the little yeah. things. Okay, from Leonard Leonard Small. I want the I want the little booties he's got on his. Okay, belt. man. I want yeah. his. I want uh, High's entire wardrobe of his uh, Hawaiian shirts. Ah. Okay, there you go. Yep. If we were on a train, let's to just go keep it going. Yeah. On board. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Okay, mo- I, I've not shied away from this. I still feel strongly about this. I've, in multiple episodes, I've said this. I'll punch a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take all of Glenn's kids together and just punch them in the face. Yeah. An equal punch just to be like, that, <laughs> you know, that just is... Like- Put Those their heads close together. Yes. Put them in a line. <laughs> hit one kid really hard, and so the, like the rest of their heads uh, feel like a punch. Because, and I feel bad because it's <laughs> this is a situation of like my my wife and I were very potentially adamant about not having kids in yeah. life because of this type of kid. <laughs> yeah. And and this, this group movie of kids. is so perfect. <laughs> and I realize more the older I get in life, it is the parents. Like, where are the fucking parents? Yeah. And, and so like I I don't care. Glenn technically deserves it, but these kids are too far gone. They need they need a punch in the face. Man, I've known some shitty kids, and uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm there. Yeah, Glenn already gets his, and he, he's gonna get his. He already he already gets punched in the movie, so we don't need him. Okay. It's, his kids need it because that he never did it. Um, <laughs> Let's go three out of three, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I've known kids like that, and it's like when that when. You in, you have a party or something, and like you invite that couple over, or like that the the other couple over, or something like that, and it's like, are they bringing their kids? Yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, but like it's having it's a it's the perfect pr- like protection against getting pregnant. It's it's the it it's, really it's is. the it's the most effective way to yeah, see to have friends with shitty kids. Those shitty kids <laughs> jump all over your fucking furniture, draw fart, hitting your car with a stick, throw, yeah. just. 
just throwing jello at your face. It, I've, I've been there and I don't want that. Yep. It's true. I, there's like, there's a lot of kids in our neighborhood and I already know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of kids in our neighborhood, in the neighborhood that like we, my wife and I live in. And you already know who like the nice kids are and who the ones who just need to get punched. <laughs> You know, and like, like I'll be sitting there and I'll just be like casually working on my pool and I'm kind of having a nice morning or whatever it is. You're just doing whatever. And, oh, I'm doing some yard work. And then you just hear, no, (laughs) give me it. No. Would you get in here? No. That's the, just want (laughs) to. Just deck some kid, you know? I've come out of AJ's house before. It's a kid's hitting my truck with a stick. <laughs> yeah, that's, why, that's why I equip you guys with squirt bottles now. Like, at one point or another, you just come and spray them. Yeah. That's, so, so Glenn, what Glenn proposes, uh, they're, it turns out they're basically just swingers. Yeah. And he's just flat out just being like, we should wife, wife swap. Yeah. So Glenn doesn't want to get with high. He just wants to switch wives. And, okay. and and Glenn is his boss. It's his boss. That's super weird, bro. Like it's all. It's just like that. Kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, just same. To be like at this, and I'll I'll make it noted. But by about this point in the movie, I'm like I haven't seen this pretty much. Like yeah. mm-hmm. this is all new for me. So I was just like, geez, what? Yeah, almost uh, to where you got to rewind it. Go. What did he say? Yeah. Uh, and and even in the even in the thoughts of like movie land or whatever. But then I. For some reason, I just didn't. I hadn't like put it together. Like I, on my first watch, like I didn't put it together. Like, oh, that's his boss. I thought it was like a coworker or yeah. something at best. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like this weird eliciting thing of, of like trying to coerce like your subordinate into doing this and whatnot. You're like, this is what response do you expect? Absolutely psychotic. Get <laughs> your damn hands off my wife. Yeah. I love that line. I love, I love his whole, like he's carrying his sandals for some reason <laughs> or his shoes or something, his good shoes. Yeah. That he uses the horseshoe to slip into. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but I, like, he's like just a hateable person in general, just because he's like, yeah, um, we got like six kids and daddy wants another, but you know, on account of my semen, I can't have one. <laughs> he just okay, casually, just casually tossing that in. And wait, what? <laughs> well, and, and Francis McDermott plays that, shitty wife really well too because yeah. you hate her guts too it's harder for us to imagine because we're just like oh, just some annoying lady but like she's we're, we're hating glenn because of the the male perspective of like god this guy sh- never shuts up about a shit but then francis mcdermott plays the the like oh this just because you have kids you know more than i do and do you get your dip shot do you get your dip shot you gotta get you your, gotta dip, get your <laughs> dip check gotta get your dip check like yeah. the, the, the overbearing that's like well we do this and we do this and you need to do this and no oh, you're doing that wrong like I'm learning more about that from my wife now. Like that's that's a big that's a whole nother perspective of you hate that person. Yeah. From the female perspective of telling you how to better mother your child, you know. Do we have a pediatric yet? We gotta get a pediatric <laughs> tomorrow. That's the thing. And then putting the amount of like this epic <coughs> concern on it is is the other thing of 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 what do we have that? we don't have oh do you you don't have that? <gasps> when you when you have a conversation and you feel compelled to be like you don't yeah. have this in place. 
already. It's the same thing as like I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs. You haven't seen Reservoir yeah. Dogs? It's like oh, I'll do it on my I'll own terms. There. And then you and then you it's get on your kid, phone. And you're shut just like, up! I'm gonna rent it for you. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'm just gonna give this to you. And we're just gonna let you take care of this. <laughs> you watch it tonight. You to- get that dip tet today. Yeah. <laughs> So scene four, Ed loses his patience and robs a convenience store with Ed and Nathan Jr. in the car. Or Sorry, not Ed loses his patience. High loses his patience, robs a convenience store. A police chase ensues and they get away. Ed is furious and High decides to leave the family behind and rob a bank with Gail and Evel. The following morning, Gail and Evel find out that Nathan Jr. is stolen and they tie up High and plan to return Nathan Jr. for the reward money. This now what commences is one of the best scenes in cinema history in my opinion, of all time, is this when he goes to rob the place again uh, for Huggies and, you know, whatever you got in the cash register. <laughs> um, I think that this is the one of the most, like, epic set pieces in, like, a comedy or anything of all time. What do you guys think? Yeah, you're talking from from the minute the, the first gunshot happens – and and Ed's all pissed off yeah, to like that some bitch that some bitch <laughs> to the the cop chase the backyard with the dog the into the grocery store like the whole thing's unbelievable yeah I think it's the way that it's filmed and especially like earlier earlier when in, in a dream sequence as well when the camera's like rushing and going over certain things it goes over the, like the hood of the car and like into the window of of the mom screaming it's so Sam Raimi Evil yeah. Dead and it's because he uh Joel I think what Joel Cohen was influenced by Sam Raimi because he was uh he edited a little bit of Evil Dead. And so he took that a little bit into this movie especially with like the handheld camera running through the house with a cop. It's just so so well staged and so such a good comedy set piece. Like everything about this is just so outlandish and funny. Just the just shooting willy-nilly. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like yeah. especially the cops just blasting away. How do you how do you take all the tropes of a chase and throw it all in and then just make it clever? Yeah, you know, because it's not it's not clever and like none of this is it's not clever in any way and like well it's just, no it's not clever none of it's clever it's just well done mm. it's just cleverly done and that's the biggest thing about it about this whole this whole chase scene about it, it, when it just starts out that. Uh, Ed decides to bail, and so he's got to chase after that chase after her, yeah. and then the cops are chasing high, and that everything ensues afterwards. It's all tropey, and it's not clever, but somehow they make it clever. Yeah. Does it go along with the thought that we're assuming this is high telling a story? And being like, yeah, you'll never believe it. The, yeah. the clerk shot twice behind me and missed. And the cop came flying over the hill, and he was shooting and unloading yeah. guns. And <laughs> they hit me. They hit me right in the huggies. Like, yeah, you know, it's like it's all unbelievable. But it it's like almost like he's telling the story of it. Yeah, and I, I especially love that they set that up too, where he gets the huggies blasted out of his hand or his arm, and that's what they came there for in the first place. Then when she picks him up, they're arguing in the car. You know, everything's changed. <laughs> say, well, honey, I think you need to take my feelings into into some uh, discriminatory kind of thing. And oh, oh, I'll turn here, turn here. Just left <laughs> anyway. I think you, need, you know, like I've been in the correction facility. Oh, oh, take it right here, honey. I love that. 
Um, and then he scoops up the Huggies. He's like, well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. I, I think it's just the perfect – I think it's it's on par with when we hopefully do cover Boogie Nights, the, the scene where they go – uh, and try and sell the Coke. Yeah. Um, if people know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think it's just brilliant. It's it's very true, though. Like, if you, when you're in a relationship and stuff, and you are, like, driving somewhere, <laughs> or you're going through things, or, like, you're trying to figure something out, and, like, one of you is kind of, like, heated about something, but then you're, like, because <laughs> like, in a car, nowadays, especially, not back then, obviously, but, back, like, nowadays, one's the driver, and one's the navigator. Yes. Okay? And, like... The navigator will be like, well, if if this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna go up to you know your your buddy's place, your friend's place, and it oh you oh you got yep this is your turn yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your, I'm not going to sit there and just sit around and do nothing and like feel awkward because I want to drink a beer or something. You know I don't like that. Take a right on this though. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Take a oh, right. I love this song. Yeah, take a right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Turn that. <laughs> up. No, you're right. There, like especially with a couple. Yeah. There is this. There are the passenger. There's this balance. There's the passenger and the driver, and then the, in between them is this being of energy yeah. of one of them being the navigator, the other one being the driver and the navigator. Uh-huh. Like, no, you can't navigate because I'm driving. I, I know what I'm doing. I don't yeah. need directions. There's this just like and now push and pull. Now there's a baby in between them. And, and, you, yes. and you allow yourself to to not let like you being upset take away from the fact that you are trying to get to a place. Yeah, so we, to, we do need to get we there. Do. But We're you trying need to, make to understand my point, but you do need to take a left. Light's uh, right. right, Light's right Not this light, the next light. <laughs> D- during that chase scene when they go through the grocery store, you hear the main theme of the movie playing through the speakers yeah, of the grocery store. Yeah, I love store. that. Such, such a Coen Brothers touch right there. Yes. Because yeah. we talked about it in Big Lebowski. Basically, all the mu- music played in the movie is coming from some source, right? Some sound system source kind of a thing, and they almost did that in this too. It just, it just is more engrossing, really. Yeah. Like, and it's also kind of more cartoonish because they would do that in a cartoon. Yeah, like oh, if yeah. They, like if there was like a tussle and a fight, and they like randomly like went into a grocery store or like a, an elevator, then it'd be playing over like el- the elevator, yep. but elevator yep. music type. Now, you know, they, it would do that same exact thing. Yeah. Evel especially, he he's talking to the, the guy about the balloons. <laughs> he's like, hey, hey, these blow up in funny shapes at all? Well, oh, yes. well, no, unless round is funny. Unless round <laughs> is funny. <laughs> Just the subtle bits of dialogue in this movie are really what I think makes it for me. Yeah. 957, 956, <laughs> nine, I couldn't count for a second. The fact, 955. Yeah. <laughs> when, he's, when he says, you know what? You, he's like, face down on the ground, count it. 825. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, and I'm going to be back in five minutes to make sure you're still counting. <laughs> Keep you honest. On accident, he actually, they do come back. He like, he's like, no, they ain't going to go back. Oh, then, hell with oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, right after John Goodman's screaming scene again. Dude, oh yeah. Wait, does he scream again at that point? Because they left, they left the baby, and that's why they came back. Wait, no, they haven't taken him yet. Have they taken the baby yet? Yeah, that, that okay. would be it. When they're pounding the dashboard, makes like that's probably the funniest thing in the movie for me. When they like they realize that they left him behind, they're just going, oh, oh, <laughs> he just is just pounding. The <laughs> <laughs> like, it, that make I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. It's, I love it. It's so John Goodman. <laughs> it, it is, and it's it's. Hey, we just want you guys to do this for like we want you to do this for sixty seconds straight. 
Yeah. Just do this for 60 <laughs> seconds straight. Keep going. And just keep going. And we're going to take the best, we're going to take the best 18 second stretch of you doing this. And, and we're going to, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's, that's, I love it so much because you can feel at it at one point or another that it's like, they are really trying to keep this going, <laughs> but they're doing it. And it's great. It's very, very funny. It's so good. What's the, what's the quote that he says to, again, if you're talking about these minor, minor details where, where they're holding up the dudes at the bank. Yes. And, and, he, and he's like, he's like, all right, everybody freeze. Everybody down on the girl on the ground. Well, which one is it? Which son? one is it, son? <laughs> he goes, if I get down on the ground, I won't be frozen won't anymore. Be frozen I just want to know which one you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, there, there, where'd the tellers go? We're on the floor like you told us to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. He <laughs> just shows their incompetence one completely. Of my, one of my favorite lines of the, of the entire, of any movie, honestly, is when he's doing that. And it's like, get on, freeze it, get on the floor. So, well, which is it? Get on the floor. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love man. that old man. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to verify. <laughs> All right, so final scene. Meanwhile, Nathan, Arizona, is increasingly frustrated with the local authorities. He hires Leonard Smalls to find Nathan Jr. Gail and Evel rob the bank with Nathan Jr., but realize they left him behind at the bank as a die pack explodes in their car. Ed and High nearly rescue Nathan Jr., but Leonard Smalls gets there first. High is victorious over Smalls in the ensuing fight. Nathan Jr. is returned to Nathan Sr., and no charges are pressed. That night, High dreams of the future. I love when uh, Smalls comes and visits uh, Arizona. He's walking through his furniture uh, store and lights a cigar. And then you see that scene and it cuts away to like someone's reaction and it cuts back to him and the cigar is like almost gone. Could be continuity, but I believe that he sucks down cigars that fast. He's that kind of man, I think. Scary. Yeah. Let's talk about Leonard Smalls. I, I need to know. Sean, I'm sure you've dove deeper on this than I have. Who is Leonard Smalls? Like why the baby shoes is, is this, I've I read a few things. Is this Nathan jr. Coming back from the future to kill high for giving him the worst life ever for keeping him and true. And cause Nathan jr. Is not going to work out this. It's, he is not going to work out with this couple. Mm. So is this him coming back from the future with his baby shoes and the same woodpecker tattoo to kill his father? Is is this just the evil side of High that when High finally kills him, he now is on a path to righteousness? Like what? what is this? What is this a metaphor for? Or is this a real thing? I think that both of those are super interesting. I, I think the, the one that's kind of on, on the face – uh, the metaphor is that it's uh, high trying to kill his like his his criminal past yeah. and his and that way of life for him to try and be a better man for Ed. But I do I I never thought about or read the other thing where it was uh, Nathan Junior coming to get him or it and was his dad it was High's dad or something like that maybe. you know like I I think it's really cool but like it it the the tattoo gives a lot away yeah. Or, actually get or raises more questions than anything that if it, it, it is like him, but it like his criminal, uh, kind of being instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super cool. I, I think it could be anyway. Yeah. When I've watched this the first time, I kind of got caught in between of when he was having his dream about Leonard small, right. essentially. But then, uh, and so what I heard is like, 
and what I put together in my head is what the first thing you said that he is like coming back from the future or like Nathan Jr. It like coming back to like for revenge, right? B- because of this, and that's literally what I put together in my head, thinking like, oh, he's having a bad dream about the future or something. Yeah, and then it's like, and now it's become now it's like incarnate. Okay, so here here's this. Here's an alternate. Here's an alternate movie. And if that's the case, yeah, and it's Nathan Jr. coming back to get kind of revenge on on High. Yeah, what if they're um. What if High and Ed's actual son, like say they 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 eventually uh, she eventually got fertile, and then could have a son or a daughter? Say that son or daughter from the future knows that Nathan Junior is going to be coming back to the past. Yep. And then you get Arnold Schwarzenegger hired to come <laughs> in as the kind of buffer between the two, so he is defending high as an old man uh, against Nathan Jr. as as Randall Tex Cobb. Okay. I'd like so, to see Randall Tex Cobb and Arnold go against each I, other. I want, I want that. I want that to be set up. So it's actual to, son and fake son. Like, say Arnold, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is the, is the baby that, that Ed and High were born. To the theme <laughs> of bad to the bone. Yes. There we go. We just won, guys. We just figured it out. We There's wrote a we wrote a movie. Raising Arizona yeah. to Judgment yeah. Day. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> Salvation. Salvation. So Sean, I was bringing up earlier. Then this is where it, this is where it could be with the wood pe- the Woody Woodpecker tattoo. So I read that that was like a tattoo of uh, the the Peckerwood gang, mm-hmm. which was very like uh, racist, white supremacy type Southwestern U.S. gang, uh. which is interesting because he doesn't have it when he first goes to jail. His mm-hmm. sleeves are all down, but then he leaves jail. He leaves jail, and then when he gets picked up again the second time, his sleeves are up, and he's got that tattoo. It's almost like he. But then he'll go into public, and and he won't show it's the tattoo down, at all. Yeah. But when he's home. He's got like wife beater type thing on and it's all out and stuff like that. Ah. So it very well could have been that when they see each other's tattoo, they know that maybe they're in the same gang or something. Yeah. It's really hard to say because they really don't explain anything. They're just like, yeah, they have the same tattoo in a different location. Yeah. It could be just like him going into prison or jail and like having to fit in with a certain set of people or something. And that he had to kind of fit in with the white supremacists. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know. It's it, it's maybe not fun to think about this time, but interesting. But it also said apparently that was similar to a car logo. Yeah. But but they but the video I watched, we might have watched the same one. It was I a guy you know. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I wish I I had written it down. But he's like, but it it would be a symbol of like somebody who's like really into cars and a gearhead. Mm-hmm. But high is definitely not. He has no <laughs> concern for vehicles or cars no. or anything. So yeah, right. <laughs> it's just sort of a thing. Right. So go, uh, ahead. go no, go ahead, man. I was just, I was just gonna take it into. Well, I was getting all ready to kind of the the showdown, you know. Yeah. Of, do uh, it of everything, and. uh I just like that um I like Evelyn Gale and I just like I love how they're infatuated with this kid now and they want it <laughs> they're like they're so they're so drawn to the kid like I'm gonna give him the best life. He's just gonna be like he's like, We're gonna we're gonna get out of here, we're gonna have all this money, we're just gonna we're gonna he's like, I love that little boy, I love that kid. <laughs> then like wait, where's the Where's the kid? <laughs> <laughs> like, no! They go right back again to the whole bank thing. 
I think he smiled at me. You think he smiled at me? <laughs> They're brothers, right? In yeah. the movie, they're supposed to be brothers. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. But it's like it's also like if like if you're angry about an issue or something like that, or just like have have some a lot of stress in your life, um, how can you not smile like seeing a puppy or like a cute fucking baby? Yeah, just like laugh at your smile at you. You know, it's it, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it happens to me all the time. I'm like. Yeah. Fuck taxes, dude. I can't. I can't. I can't. I need money. I need to get money. Yeah. And then I see a cute baby. I'm like, Everything's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong with the world. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. There so. still is. <laughs> there still is. <laughs> the, the fight. The fight with Leonard Smalls was awesome. Pulling that pin. Like that's such a. I, if you like you you, you classic yeah having not seen the end it was it was it gripped me to be like oh no he's gonna die <gasps> he's got the fucking pin like <laughs> it, it was a beautiful moment to know that that was not happening and then to see it happening yeah and yeah. see that he is killable and he does die and yeah yeah what do you think sean like explain to me what's what happens in the end here like what do you think this ending is symbolizing do you think, think this is real i think it i think it like um because he's such an unreliable narrator, I think it puts it up. I think it simultaneously says it in the movie. Like you can believe what he says. You can, you can, like they became an old couple and got a bunch of kids and then their kids got a bunch of kids and brought them over all the time. Um, but since he's an unreliable narrator, I think you can even kind of put in, well, maybe that didn't happen and maybe Ed did, they did break up and they're not together anymore. And he's maybe telling this to like a cellmate. You know, maybe yeah. this is maybe oh, this is like an in prison point. story or something like that. Like he he never did change. Um, I think it's whatever you kind of want. I I like to believe that it's happy, and uh, that what he's saying is is real to some sort of degree. You know, like they maybe did stay together and eventually got a child somehow. What do you think? Well, because like they they really couldn't have. You know, like they <laughs> wouldn't they wouldn't let them adopt anyone. She's Baron, Byron, Byron. So, like, what do you think of the fact of this being true, but that's not Ed? Mm. Like, Ed, Ed was clearly like, yeah. Now, in fact, there's a moment when they're hanging out with Nathan Senior, and they return the kid, and, and Nathan Senior's like, oh, you know, just give it, give it some thought, sleep on it, or and he even goes, he goes. High says something like, well, we were we were both being really selfish or something like that, and. Ed like visibly turns her head in disgust mm. when he says that. You, it's a it's a quick thing. She already said she doesn't want to be with him anymore. She's clearly not gonna get over this. So what if they do break up? And what if High meets another woman and this is yeah. his future? The the height difference on them is pretty considerable. Yeah. And the two old people at the end are almost the same height. Ah. So like, what if what if it, what if it's just different and yeah. it's just not Ed? I think yeah, I we think did watch the same video. Did we? <laughs> I think that's. I, think I we that's need very to try valid. to credit him somehow because it's a really great video. I'll I think figure it out. That's while you're very talking. valid. As a as a person who didn't see this video, uh, <laughs> like I think that's. Uh, I think that's very valid because I thought for sure that they were going to be done with each other, uh, the way that the way that Ed was talking. Yeah, um, and that they were. It was just going to be like that was going to be it for them. You know, I don't know. It makes it makes the most sense that the that. Uh, high just can't really change. Well, and for now at least, it makes the mo- it makes a lot of sense. But just because this movie is so fantastical and cartoonish, I just I I side more towards the fact that it's 
up in the air yeah. and and maybe more on the side of that they're kind of happily together now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's 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 a, it's interesting. The the title of that video if you want to dive deeper it's about 20 minutes long. It is from a channel called Subtext and Symbolism. Uh Raising Arizona Analysis His Woodpecker Tattoo is what it yeah. says. Okay. It yeah. brings up a lot more stuff than the woodpecker tattoo, as as we're talking about. Yeah, right correct. Now, like all that, all that was some stuff that that he definitely pointed. It's very out, in so. depth, and if you if you look at the comments, you have a lot of sympathy for him because people yeah. are like, "You're an idiot. This means this, and, and you're not. You're not this." Yeah, screw oh, that. Yeah. Hate that shit. Well, what do you think? Anything else you want to talk about? You want to wrap it up? No, all good. All right, we have dissected this with a modern eye. It's time to give us our modern day ratings. AJ, what do you think about this thing, man? I don't, you know, <laughs> come on now. Well, you know, so here's the thing. This is this is a tough spot, I think, for somebody who hasn't who hadn't seen the movie up to this point, right? Especially with seeing plenty of other Coen Brothers movies. Um, this is one of those. that's like okay, it's obviously earlier for than anything else I think I've seen from them, and so uh, it makes it kind of tough uh, to to watch it so critically because I want it to, I want it to be better because the Coen brothers, like I've said before, they have this really interesting way about making the fantastic seem very normalized and vice versa. Actually, the making the very normal things seem very fantastical. And so, um, but watching this, it, I get, I had a really tough time letting myself fall, fall into the fantastic side of it because I was like buying in so much because of the way it's filmed, the way it's presented and the way do I enjoy the storyline and everything. And I think most Coen brothers usually end up just slightly better than where they started. Right. And I think that they did. And, um, and so it's, it is, it's just really tough. It's a really, really hard movie for me to like, think about like that way. So in, in the end, I think I'm going to give this movie, um, I'm going to give this movie a 6.9. 6.9 or Sean, what about you, man? I just think that this movie has so much energy and uh, such gravitas as to what we're going to see later from the Coen brothers. But judging it on its own, I think its influences like Preston Sturges and even Sam Raimi show so high with everything, with the characterization, um, the plot, uh, any, any twists there may be, uh, just char- characterization of... Uh, random people, I think Coen Brothers do very well. Like just like like even the bank tellers and everything. The the guy who's like, okay, then like they have such character. The whole the whole uh, world of the movie is so rich, and they always do that. And I think this is my favorite inter- iteration of one of their worlds. Um, I just think it's such high energy. I think it's my favorite Nick Cage performance. I think all the performances are pretty much flawless. Um, although I did think this was a perfect movie the first time I saw it, it, uh, towards the end, it does. I'm glad it is wrapping up. I do feel yeah. it a little bit. Mm. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Wow. 9.5 from the Shauner. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought this one up, Sean, because you're right. Like, had you not made me watch it, it might've been a while till I watched this. And this is a fantastic movie, especially as someone who just had a child and like the ending, the, the whole movie's amazing. Like I love the dialogue. I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. Cool story. Great scenes. But like the ending really, really affected me because like 
you know, you're watching this, like the whole reason that my wife and I decided to have kids was to, was for the large future was to be that grandma and grandpa sitting at a table and being like, wow. You know, and I think that's the dream of everybody is when you realize when you're having kids is like the, the, the long-term effects from doing, from making that struggle decision. And like, man, I, I fucking, I choked up big time, like major tears at the end of that movie. And it's just cause it's it's a I hope it were I hope it worked out. I hope that was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm I'm getting into that world and <clears throat> so I'm an eight point one nice. for me, which is actually pretty high. It may sound a little low, but that's actually that's top uh fifteen for me in movies we've done. So that is an eight point one seven mm. for us as a overall rating. If you want to go, that is uh wow, <clears throat> that's number sixteen on our list. That is just below Jaws, just above Big, Dang. is where is where we put that movie. All right, wow. how do you feel about that? that? Man, you feel good about yeah, that? Yeah, I feel great about that. Yeah, it makes sense. I I was gonna say I I I felt felt very similar. Yeah, on you like you'll in this you'll idea. you rewatch this in like five months. Yeah, and you'll feel a lot different about it. I, I imagine I, I probably will. I imagine I probably will. And like that is again, that's the whole like mm-hmm. what you said at the end. I was very similar an exact thought that yes. I had in oh, my yeah. own way too. So yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, this is why I kind of brought this movie to the table. Cause I, I bought this movie for my brother when he was having his first child and it, it just the joy of it Yeah, because the whole tone of it is just kind of joy to it's, me. It's, it's, it's very joyous. <laughs> Even <laughs> though what, the subject matter is pretty fucking dark. He probably yeah. didn't want, I mean, he, maybe he did and he, maybe he'll fuck me up for saying this, but he probably didn't watch it, but I, th- I do think it's uh, apt when, uh, when that happens yeah, to man. you. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for being here. Tune in next Wednesday for another great episode. We are hitting Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, yeah. Followed by a very special episode that we're not just going to talk about quite yet. And if you're new to the podcast, go back this time last year, The Mighty Ducks. Oh. That was actually technically the movie that inspired me to call you guys to do this podcast. Okay. I think wow. we even That's... talked about it on that. Funny episode. Uh, we also got a voicemail. Call us at 319-804-9596. Serious today's episode hey guys this is nick fulkerson uh long time listener first time caller just listened to the austin powers episode and that's probably my favorite one so far dang big fan love the podcast uh, i know y'all must have it on y'all's list but i'm excited to see to hear the movie that launched his career jim carrey ace ventura Probably one of my favorite movies of his. Uh, there is an article on millennials that are offended by it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm interested in hearing y'all's opinion. Keep up the good work. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I good had to hear to, from you. Apparently, Nick wasn't listening too close a couple episodes when we're like, we're doing Ace Ventura. <laughs> Maybe he didn't finish the episode. Well, but now we're doing it for you. We're doing it just for yeah. you. We're going to add this on the, and we're going to hit it here uh, next week. So, uh, AJ, how can everybody uh, check us out as we get out of here, man? Well, make sure you guys leave us a review. Show, drop us a line on any podcast platform you're listening on. And uh, anywhere on social media, Confused Breakfast, but you can get to all of the pertinent links at uh, confusedbreakfast.com. You can go to that same link, confusedbreakfast.com, and get some of our merch. You get some shirts. 
with our logo on it. You get some shirts with our sayings, damn dang it, anything like that. I think there's even hats up there now is what damn. I saw. You can you, get it all. You can get a hat there. Curtains. You can get a, cough, a, a shower curtain. You can get your own wall. You can get your own wall. Take it away, Mike. Pretty cool. Also, if you want to support this podcast, first of all, just share it to a friend. Secondly, join us on patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. Bonus episodes, movie votes, private Discord service. Go do it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to say sayonara, suckers. Uh, okay. I don't know why. That's my catchphrase that's now. Fine. I think. Goodbye. I think that's my catchphrase. All right. Okay, goodbye. All right. Keep, keep, your, <laughs> keep your damn hands off my watch. Yeah, yeah. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.